Father, I'm, I am, again, I just want to reiterate my gratitude to you, Lord. Lord, you have saved me. You have plucked me out of the kingdom of darkness and placed me in the kingdom of light. And for some baffling reason, you have decided to allow me to be used by you. And it is just the greatest joy of my life. And so, Lord, I pray today as each of these women have stopped what they're doing, have changed their schedules, have have uh, made every effort to be here, God. You tell us when two or more are gathered in your name that you are among us. And so we thank you in advance for what you're going to say to us today. So I just ask, Lord, that you would come in power, that you would speak a word over us that we didn't even know we needed, but we desperately needed to hear. And I pray that the seeds that are planted today, God, would you cause them to sprout up and grow amazing fruit in our lives, Lord. So that others would look at us and go, what is that about her that I want? And they'd be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so some of you might be here for the first time, and I'm so grateful that you're here. And I'm going to give us a quick recap. We are in the middle of a series on the Lord's Prayer. And this is week six. So we are at the end of the series. Today's the last week. And we last week looked at forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And today we're going to look at, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So I want to look closely at what this actually means. You've got your listening guides. On the back of your listening guides, I want to remind you, is the deeper cut. Those are questions that will help you dive deeper into Scripture. And so take that with you, and while we are on a break, start going back through it and go through a deeper cut. Those questions are phenomenal. I didn't write them, so I can say that. Oh, they didn't make it on there. Okay, okay, we didn't, we didn't make it on there. See, the first time I ever really punt, go in for the kill with a deeper cut, and they're not even on there. Okay, what we can do is we can put those on the website. I keep saying that. Well, it'll be on the website. It'll be on the website. Okay, so we are in, um, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells his followers, he says, to pray like this. And he says, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now, another translation will say this, and it will help shed some light on what this actually means. In other words, don't let us fall into temptation. In other words, my paraphrase is, Lord, save me from myself. Save me from myself. Because I am aware of a lot of things that cause me to be tempted, but there are so many things I could fall into that I don't even know of yet. So, Lord, would you just yank me back? Would you just save me from myself? Upon first glance, you might think when it says, and do not lead us into temptation, you might think that Jesus is referring or, or um, saying that God is the one that tempts us. And I just want to clear that up now, that God cannot be the tempter because he is holy. He is not evil. And so he cannot tempt us. Now, what he does, though, is he allows us to walk through uh, fiery seasons of trial, testing seasons that build our spiritual muscles. But I want to read this to you from James chapter 1, verse 13. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, because God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So while God is not the tempter, God does allow us to experience temptation. 
You cannot live on this earth longer than 30 minutes without experiencing temptation in one form or another. And so today, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture when we cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, please save me from myself. Don't allow me to yield to temptation. Don't let me give in, Lord. And you know what, God, just spare me from all of it. That's okay to pray too. What does it mean? What does the word temptation mean? I want to read a couple of definitions before we move on. One definition says to, uh, temptation is something that seduces or has the quality to seduce. If y'all were here in week four, I think it was, when I had that table of jeans up here and I was stroking them. Sometimes a good pair of jeans is really seductive to me. It just lures me into the store if I see it on a mannequin. I'm like, that, I've got it. I'm, surely I'm that size. Surely my thighs look like that, and they're going to look like that when I put those jeans on. Something that seduces or has the quality to seduce. Second definition is the desire to have or to do something that you know you should avoid. I could say that about the jeans too, about the 65th pair. Something that you desire to have or to do and you know you should avoid it. And you know you should avoid it. And when Jesus says to pray, God, please don't lead us into temptation or save me or don't allow me to yield to temptation. I think the greatest reason why we do fall into temptation comes from a core lie that we believe. It's a core, the root of why we fall into temptation is a belief that God is not enough. Because if he were enough, then I wouldn't need that. If he were enough, I wouldn't be seduced by that. That God is not enough. I want to read a few of these not enough descriptions that we might believe about God and see if any of them resonate with you. I think that we easily believe that God is not trustworthy enough. If I really give my whole heart, my whole life to him, what's he going to do? What's he going to ask of me? What's he going to ask of my kids? What might come into my life if I really yield to him? That's a sign I don't really fully trust that he's good. So he's not trustworthy enough for me to give everything to him. One is I think we, we might believe that God is not good enough. He's not good enough, therefore I need to meet this need myself. I'm not sure he's good enough to do it. One is, I don't know that God is fun enough. Boy, if you grew up in some of our Western culture churches, you may have heard that. You may, I don't know that you heard that directly, but you may have walked away with a message that God is, all he cares about is your behavior. You be a good little girl, and that's, I mentioned last week, that tastes like broccoli. Raw broccoli. It's old. It's already yellow. Blah, blah. We have this sense that maybe God is not where it's at. He's just not fun enough. And maybe he's, it, it's, it's like over his head it just says you should. You should do this, you should do that. And it's like, oh, I can't. Do you ever have a school, a teacher that was like that? Just cranky. Now sit still, now be quiet, now do this. You should, ugh. yuck. So we think maybe God's not fun enough. Maybe we believe that God's not patient enough. He's tired of me. He's, he's, he's not patient with me. And so therefore, I'm not going to lean into him. I'm just going to do it myself because he's tired of me anyway. Maybe you believe that God's not powerful enough. He's not powerful enough to really meet that core need that you have. 
Or maybe you believe that he is powerful enough, but he just doesn't want to for you. That it's not going to be true for you. He's not going to heal you. He's not going to bless you. Now, he will her. He's just not going to bless you. You may not believe he's powerful enough, though. You might not believe that he's kind enough or gentle enough, and so you might be afraid of God. Maybe you think God's not understanding enough. I'm not going to take the time to sit before him. I'm just going to give way and get these things taken care of myself because he's not going to understand, or he's going to be irritated with me that I'm struggling. So God is not trustworthy. He's not understanding. He's not gentle enough. He's not kind enough. Maybe you think he's not engaged enough. At the end of the day, God is this distant father, and he's not intimately aware of every one of your needs. I was having this discussion with my son the other day, and I said, do you know that every hair on your head is counted? And those children that are suffering in another country that he was concerned about, do you know that every hair on their head is counted? God is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. Throughout Scripture, you'll see the word, uh, you'll see the phrase that we're the apple of his eye. That's, it came from Scripture. But the apple of his eye, when you literally translate it, I just read this this morning, it means that you're so, so near. You know, so near that when you're looking your best friend or a loved one in the eye, you can see your reflection in their pupils. You're so close. That's what that literally is translated to mean in the Hebrew. Super near. So, so, so close. But maybe you don't believe that. He's not close enough. Maybe he's not caring enough. Maybe he's not fulfilling enough. Perhaps God isn't satisfying enough. He's just not satisfying enough. So I need to get satisfaction somewhere else. And so I think that the enemy is on to us. I think the enemy is on to us. And the enemy is going to take that Mm, doubt that we have that I'm not sure if he is enough and he's going to go right in for the kill and he's going to go, you're right. You're right. And if I believe that God is not enough in a particular area of my life, typically we respond in one of two ways. Now these are big generalizations, so, so we're all different, but in one of two ways. If I don't think God is enough, Typically, I'm either going to shrink back and go, well, I'm just going to settle in. This is the way it is. Or I'm going to lean, jump forward and grab control. I'm either going to lag behind or I'm going to be three steps ahead. I'm either going to shrink back, settle in and go, well, I'm just Eeyore. You know, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. It's like, well. Or I'm going to jump forward. I'm going to go, I, I can tell you this. I will be happy in my life and I will make sure of it. I will make sure of it. If you're not going to take care of me, if you're not enough, I'm going to make sure I have enough. Whatever enough is on this particular day, it rests on me to get her done. Women really struggle with this. Really struggle with this. Part of the fall, part of the result of sin. Scripture says that the woman will desire her husband, and we think, well, that is fantastic. But when you translate the word desire, it means to desire to control. It, it does. I know. Boom. Boom. Drop the mic. We could just stop right there. We don't just desire to control our husbands. We just desire control. So we either shrink back or we jump forward. 
This is often seen if you're not sure where you fall. Just, just pay attention when you're driving. Are you the one that just always gives way and lets them get in, lets them cross over, lets them cut you off? Or are you the one, uh-uh, no, I'm that person. I'm that. It makes Jason crazy when I'm driving. He's like, we, are about, we will die. We will die. I'm like, you're not cutting me off. You are not cutting me off. What God is desiring in Micah 6.8 when it says, what does God desire of you? To love justice, to do mercy, or to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The Lord is asking for me to trust Him enough to just walk with Him. Stay in step with Him. That requires an intimate relationship. That requires me holding His hand, walking with Him, and allowing Him to tell me every single day what's coming our way, Lord. What is it that you want me to be a part of? What do you want me to say yes to? What do you want me to say no to? What is it I need to pray about today, Lord? Who do I need to come alongside today? He wants you and he wants me to stay in intimate, close fellowship with him. And that requires a trusting heart. That requires a heart that believes him. That believes that he's enough. And the enemy will do everything he can to cut that off. And so from now until you are face to face with Jesus in heaven, you will be tempted. And you can always bet that if you will stop in the middle of temptation and drill down, there is a belief that God is not enough. God is not enough. He's not going to make me happy enough, therefore I need to buy this. God is not enough. He's not going to satisfy me in my marriage, therefore I need to step outside of it. God is not going to take care of this emotional distress that I'm under, therefore I'm going to numb it some other way. God is not my security. He's not going to keep me secure. Therefore, I need to work really, really hard and make sure that IRA is fat. If you will, when you are in the season of being tempted, and we'll talk, temptation doesn't, temptation is when I, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give way to temptation. So just know this, don't beat yourself up because you're tempted. Jesus was tempted. We're about to look at that. In scripture so it's not a sin to be tempted it's a sin when I go you're right enemy I'm giving way to it God's not enough God is not enough I want to look at we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 3 and 4 today and I want to look at this pattern that we see fulfilled in Jesus's life because I think it holds true in our own lives a lot of the time we are in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3 and we're gonna look at Jesus experiencing baptism for the first time, he's about to start his public ministry. And he's about to experience a mountaintop experience with the Lord. Here's what happens. It says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. He said, I'm the one who needs to baptize you. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, This should be done, for we should carry out all that God requires. God says, Believe and be baptized. So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that must have been? Jesus is fully God, but he's fully human. To experience that kind of approval, that kind of satisfaction from your dad, from the father. When's the last time you, 
as a daughter of the great king heard him say this is my girl this is my daughter who I love and I'm so pleased with her have you ever heard that from the Lord have you ever experienced that in your own soul now maybe you sat in a ton of Bible studies and church services and listened to a lot of podcasts and you've heard that God is loving and that God loves everyone. But have you yourself heard that God loves you? Have you heard the Father say, this is my daughter with whom I am well pleased? I love her. I can, I can mark times in my life when those have been milestone moments for me mountaintop experiences one was just this past Sunday at church our pastor was giving a talk on sin and he was talking about just our need for forgiveness again and he began to um, call us all to repentance and it was just one of those times in my life where I you know I've I've asked Jesus to forgive my sins he's come into my life when I was eight but over the course of my life, it is really important for me to remember that I have needed a Savior and that there's a Savior that offers forgiveness to me. And so at the end of the service, I was just praying on my knees at the front of the service, just weeping, back in touch with the fact that I'm a depraved woman. Apart from God, I'm going to yield to temptation. That will be my lifestyle. And there was a moment when he said, okay, I want every single one of you that were down at the altar to look up at me. And I, we all looked up and I looked at him and he just said, you are forgiven. And do you know that he not only loves you, but he likes you? And all anew, it was like a fresh wave for me. I got to taste again the beautiful experience of being forgiven. There's a relief that comes when I go, oh my goodness, he sees it all. And yet he still died for me and he forgives me and he loves me. He loves me. That is an experience that is unmatched by any other you can, any experience you can present to me. There is no experience like a, like a personal encounter with the love of God. There's no experience like it. And usually I find that I taste and see that He loves me intimately when I'm at my worst. Now, Jesus never had a worst. He was always at his best. But he comes up out of this water and he hears the Father's approval saying, this is my dearly loved Son with whom I am well pleased. He brings me great joy. Great joy. You bring the Father great joy because he created you. He delights in you. He likes you and he loves you. And so maybe you've experienced that kind of understanding afresh at Bible study. I don't know where. But typically when I've experienced a new encounter, a fresh experience with the Lord, I am really prone to attack. And you'll see this in Jesus' life. So he's just heard, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy at the very end of Matthew 3. And then we go right into Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, then, meaning right after that, then after this, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he was very hungry. So I want to go over this very clearly with us. Jesus was led by who? Whom? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by who? 
the devil. Led by the Spirit, tempted by the devil. Do you see the difference? It's a huge distinction that we've got to be aware of, is that God may allow us or even lead us into difficult trying, testing seasons. It is always the devil that will come in and tempt us in the middle of those seasons. The Spirit, I'm telling you, the Lord has led me in many seasons in my life that have been hard, laborious, trying, dry, difficult seasons. And in the midst of those seasons, I can taste the Lord, hear that He's good, but on my other shoulder, I'm telling you, I hear the enemy is prone to get after me. He's really not good. If he were good, see that mountaintop experience you had last week with him? That wasn't even real. This is reality. Forgo that faith, because this is what life is really about. He is not trustworthy. He is not enough. And we get attacked. Attacked. Notice something about Jesus when he's in this wilderness. It says that he's hungry. There's an acronym I've shared with you before that I'll share again. It's called HALT. H-A-L-T, halt, H-A-L-T. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When I am any of those four things, I am very vulnerable to attack. But typically, when I've come off of a mountaintop, I'm just using that example, a mountaintop type experience with the Lord, like Bible study, you guys, this is such a... a thrill and a joy for us to get to be a part of but I can tell you next week I will be prone to attack I'll be hungry I'm sure I'll be hungry I'm always hungry <laughs> but we're tired the team is tired we're tired it'll be lonely because I'm not driving up here to see you and I'll be prone and vulnerable to attack and so will you so will you and Jesus is led right into the wilderness because the Lord knows I read a commentator say, the Lord knows this is like um, the bar exam for Jesus. He's about to start his public ministry. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, but he's going to endure a season of testing because the Lord knows he needs to build his faith muscles. He needs to know that what he knows up here, he's got it down here in his guts. That's why scripture says in James, consider it all joy when you endure various trials. Because it is producing in you a steadfastness that can otherwise not be produced in your life. Not fun. It's hot. Scorching at times. But it is never in vain. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted and he became very hungry. Very hungry. Now, typically, we are tempted, ladies, in three different ways. One, and we'll see this first, is the lust or the cravings of our flesh. And that's where Jesus is. He's hungry. He's physically hungry. And so the enemy knows this, and he's going in for the kill. And he says this in verse 3. It says, During that time, the devil came to Jesus, and he said to him, Listen, if you're the Son of God, tell all these stones to become loaves of bread. Loaves of bread. I know you're hungry. You're starving. That rumbling in your tummy, you're starving. You're starving. Just listen, you're the son of God. Just turn him into bread. Just go ahead and satisfy that hunger. Because your father is obviously not satisfying it. He's not good enough. You satisfy it yourself. You can do it. Satisfy that hunger yourself. What does Jesus say in response? Here's the thing that Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't weigh in on it. He doesn't stop for a minute and consider what's being, what, what's being said to him. 
He doesn't sit there and go, huh, gosh, I am hungry. I'm really hungry. Now, what, what kind of bread, just what kind of bread would it be then? Is it like, like, are you saying I can have any kind of bread I want? Any kind you want. And you're saying I, I probably deserve that, don't I? I deserve bread. I'm hungry. So then he starts to go, okay, this is what it would be. It'd probably fresh sourdough coming out of the oven, and there'd be butter all over it. And there'd be garlic. It'd be garlic butter because I can have it because I deserve it. I'm hungry. I'm tired. Listen, I should have it. Mmm. If he's gone that far in his mind, he's already, he's already yielded. He's already gone. Right? You know, when David, if you know anything about the Old Testament, King David walked up on his, his roof and he looked over and he saw a hot babe named Bathsheba and he's like, I'll take her. And it led to a whole slew of trouble. Do you think that all of a sudden he got up on his roof and he went from A to point B that fast? David was lonely. All of his troops were out to battle. He was probably tired. Here's what I'm trying to tell you is that we don't jump from, um, from sanity to insanity like this. It's a slow drift. It's a slow drift. It's a, I'm tired. And you know what? I've been hungry for not one day, but 40 days. It's a slow drift. And so by the time I actually fall into temptation, I've been thinking about it. It's been presented to me. And it no longer really seems absurd. You know that story about the frog, if you put them in the water and you slightly turn up the heat, you know, and then they'll eventually die. Instead, you just jump, you know, you don't throw it into a, I don't know, that's a stupid example, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the enemy is smart and he slowly turns up the heat. And then all of a sudden we're in a boiling pot of water about to die. Jesus says this. He doesn't engage him. He doesn't ask questions. He says, right off the bat, Jesus told him in verse 4, no, the scriptures say, who says? The scriptures say, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You will lead to temptation. You will yield to temptation every single time if you don't know what this book says. Why? Because this is the truth. So if I don't know what the truth is, human understanding and human wisdom is not going to help me. Because my physical cravings will overtake what seems smart at the time. And the enemy knows that. And so, ladies, we have to be in the Word ourselves. You can come here. This is why when we get it right, we actually have the deeper cut questions on the back. Because we want you to go home and we want you to crack it open in Matthew 6 where the Lord's Prayer actually is, and we want you to read it and go, what does that mean? Let me start to do some studying on my own. Because in that moment, then you get to go, oh, I just discovered something new. Oh my goodness, I love God even more. If I'm not armed with the truth, if I don't know what this actually says, boy, I am walking into battle without any artillery. Jesus doesn't stiff arm the devil. Jesus doesn't slap him. Jesus doesn't... Uh, engage him in conversation, he comes back at him with the most powerful thing, and that's the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. We have to know it. We just have to know it. Now, for a long time, I knew all about the Word of God. I just didn't really believe it. And so when I say the word no, we have to know it. We have to engage it. We have to know it in our guts. We have to actually believe that it is truth. And when I start standing on the truth, 
and I start to see the fruit come out and I start to get to see the benefit of it, then it becomes easier and easier and I believe it more and more and it starts to be a beautiful engagement with the Lord. Jesus responds immediately with Scripture. So the, the devil's been shot down. So he's going to come at him from another angle. Have you ever experienced that? The enemy used to come at me with fear. That was a big jugular of mine. I was a very fearful girl in my 20s. Anxiety was, my, I, was like second nature to me. And he would come at me with fear all the time. And boy, I started to get my sea legs under me and I started to come back at him with scripture and God took me through a season of testing and I came out on the other side and I'm telling you, I do not battle fear like I used to at all. He knows it's not my jugular anymore. But if you think for a minute he's not coming from another angle, he boy, is he ever. He'll find all sorts of angles. So he's doing that with Jesus. He comes at him with the pride of life, just this, this desire to be powerful, this desire to know it all. So in verse 5 it says, Then the devil took him to a holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, Okay, well, if you're the Son of God, jump off of it. Jump off of it. Show your power, in other words, because he, meaning God, will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You know what the enemy's doing right now? He's quoting Scripture as a way to entice Jesus to sin. He's quoting Psalm 91, I believe it is, to get Jesus to sin. Y'all, we do that all the time. Let me give you an example. Delight yourself in the Lord and He's going to give you the desires of your heart. We will take a scripture out of context and we will use it for our benefit. It doesn't really matter what God says about it. Here's what I want. Here's my desire. This is my desire. So God, you owe me because I'm going to delight myself in you. How am I going to delight myself in you? I'm going to show up at Bible study. You know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to serve. I am going to a soup kitchen and I'm going to do it on Thanksgiving. I'm going to do it on Thanksgiving when everyone else is with their family watching football. I'm going to be at a soup kitchen. Now give me desire in my heart. We don't have any fat clue what that scripture really means. To delight yourself in the Lord, then he will give you desires. He will give you his desires. Do you see the difference? Delight yourself in the Lord and my desires change and they line up with his and then I get to experience him. And really, at the end of the day, I start to learn, really, the greatest desire is you, Lord. And I've already got you. But we take it. Another scripture is when people are suffering or hurting. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good. Boom, slap it on that suffering. Now feel better. No, it doesn't make us feel better. That's out of context because we, as we're giving that, we get to define what good is. I'm saying all things work together for good. And in this minute, good is your healing. In this minute, good is the restoration of your marriage. In this minute, good is your child comes back. God's going to work it out. So good is however I want to define it. I have totally perverted scripture. Totally perverted it. And if you think that will not lead us to sin, the enemy's already got you half hooked. We have to know what the Word of God says and we have to know it in its full context. God defines what good is. I don't define what good is. I get Him, and when I go through suffering, I get Him. He is really what my deepest need is. And then I begin to see how He's defining good. Might not be what I would have wanted, but I've got Him. So I will not be consumed. And in the end, the day is coming where we see 
we see behind a veil right now, but the day is coming when it will all make sense. But I got him. And I'm telling you, that's what we need the very, very most. And so that's what the devil's doing. Is he's trying to say, okay, well, Scripture says this, so if you jump off, that what, what Jesus would be doing in that moment, had he jumped off and demanded the Lord to save him, he would have been putting God to the test. And he would have de been demanding something from the Lord that he, he would have been totally out of place. So Jesus responds and he says, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. You must not test him. So right then, Jesus has been empowered with everything he needs and he knows right then, okay, that's a lie. Because we can get really confused when people start taking scripture out of context. So we have to know what the truth is. And we have to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a discerning mind to go, okay, no, that's, mm -mm, no, not, not falling for that one, not falling for that one. Next, the third way that the enemy is going to try and seduce Jesus is through the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes is the whole thing, like I said, with the genes. It's just the desire for more. More, more, more. I need more, more stuff, more things, more, more, more. So it says in verse 8, Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, and he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said, I'll give it all to you. All to you if you'll just kneel down and worship me. I'll give it all to you if you will just kneel down and worship me. That thing, whatever it is, that next rung on the ladder, that bigger whatever that bigger thing is, the more of this, whatever it is, when we begin to get, and it's, it's hard, y'all, we live in the most affluent area of the world. One of them. It's hard. It's hard not to fall into the temptation of, I've got to keep up if I'm going to be relevant. If I'm going to be included, I've got to have this. I've got to look like this. My, my car needs to look like this. I need to dress this way. My kids need to be at this school. My kids need to go to that college. I've got to, it's, we just, we get so seduced by it. And I don't have time to sit and ask God what you want. What do you want for my kids? Where do you want my kids to go to school? What is it, where do you want us to live, Lord? It's your, I'm yours, Lord. I'm walking in step with you. But if I'm totally seduced by the lust of what I see around me, I'll, I'll fall every time. Verse 10, Jesus responds finally, and he says, Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God. Serve him only. Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. This is what I want to say about this, is that when you are in a season of testing, and you'll see that thing to the end. If you will stay with the Lord, if you will allow Him to minister to you and allow Him to deem when it's time to move out of it, if you let Him be in control and not you, you are going to come out of it. But not only will you come out of it, you will learn what it means to resist the devil, to see him flee. Scripture says, resist him and he will flee from you. But also, you get to experience what he experienced when angels minister to you. Do you know that? Do I know that? Do you know that the Holy Spirit will minister to you in a way that you can't even explain it, but you just know it's true? You just know that it's real? You know that there's no way that would have happened? That's not a coincidence? That is the Lord telling you He loves you? The other day I was jogging, and I was tired, and I was praying, and I was weary, 
And I looked up, and there's this cardinal that just rested on this tree branch and just stared at me because I was going really slow. And so he had a lot of time <laughs> looking at me. And here's the thing. You can go, that cardinal lands on that branch every day. Maybe so, but I'm telling you, God had it land that day for that reason to minister to me. The Spirit of the Lord will touch you and meet you right where you are in the season of any temptation that you're in. See it through the end. Don't jump ship too early. See that thing. And when you come out, I'm telling you, you are not the same woman. You are not the same woman. And you are, you've got a security. Your feet are planted on a solid rock that nobody can shake anymore. You are firmly planted. And there is a... Um, there's an anchor in my soul that only comes from Jesus himself. And it didn't just get there because he's sweet to me. It got there because I have been through seasons of fiery trials. And I've stuck it out. There have been times I have jumped ship. But when I have stuck it out, I'm telling you, it's the sweetest. Because I know I can authentically say to you, he's worth it. He is worth it. He is worth every bit of it. He's worth every tear. He's worth every time you say no to that thing. He's worth every time you say yes, and it costs you something. He is worth it because you get Him. You get Him. And I'm telling you, it's all you need. It is all you need. You want to know how to make your marriage better? Fall in love with Jesus. You want to know how to get your kids in a place that you desire for them? Fall in love with the Lord. Let them see a woman that is secure, that is stable because she's connected to the Lord. Let them see a woman. When fiery trials hit your family, they see a mother on her knees. They see a mom that knows exactly where to go. Exactly where to go. Oh, I pray that my kids don't grow up and go, my mom was just always a worry wart. She was just always um, on edge. Oh, I pray that they grow up and they go, man, my mom loved the Lord. It was obnoxious at times. She loved him. I remember when I was in my early 20s and I just moved here from, from Texas A&M. And I was attending, I know it's obnoxious, I'm sorry. But I was attending a, a Bible study. I was listening to a teacher and I remember praying, I was like, Lord, if you'll just give me that kind of love for you, the love that I was seeing displayed in her life, that's what I want. I want that more than anything. I just didn't know that it would be solidified through seasons of trials. I didn't know that for me to pray that meant I was a target for the enemy. I didn't know that. But I wouldn't change a thing. There are trials in front of me that I don't even know that are coming. Do you think I'm going to sit there and worry about those for a minute? No, I don't have the grace to endure those because they aren't here yet. Stay in step with Him. Walk humbly with your God. Sit down with Him. Have a cup of coffee. And instead of the Today Show every day, ask Him, Lord, what is it you want to say to me today? It's difficult. It's a difficult pattern to get into. It is much easier to drift. It is much easier to turn off our minds. Sit with him. Lord, what is it you say about me? Lord, lead me. Where do you want me to read today? What is it you want to show me today? Lord, would you keep me mindful of you? Would you, would you reveal to me the ways that you're working that I otherwise would probably miss because I'm so attuned 
in other areas, Lord, I'm telling you, you'll fall in love with him. You'll fall in love with him. 1 Corinthians, I'll close, says the temptations in your life, y'all, they're no different from what others experience. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So you and I know we are not alone. No, 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 Laura, you don't understand the gravity of which I'm tempted. You don't understand the dark places I've been. I might not know your dark places, but you don't know mine. The temptations in your life, they're no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. What does that scripture mean? When people take it out of context and say he'll never give you more than you can handle, that's not true. He gives us more than we can handle every single day. Why? So that we depend on him. Otherwise, I don't need a savior. If I got this thing licked, if I can handle it, I don't need him. But what he means by that is there is a power within you is, that is greater than the power in this world. And so with me, you've got everything you need, Laura. You will be able to withstand it if you will lean on me. Part of the way we do that is through the Word of God and then the power of the Holy Spirit that's within us. If you can't remember what Scripture says and you're in a season of temptation, call a friend that does and say, I am struggling. Tell me what is true. I'm in crazy town. I am in crazy thought land. What is true? Don't just make me feel better, but what is really true? What is really true? And it says, when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out. No, uh mm-mm, yeah, you just haven't looked, you haven't wanted that back door. I have not wanted it. There have been times I do not want the back door. I'm quite happy. And then I go, oh, that was a horrible decision. <laughs> There's always a way out. Why do I know that? Because scripture has told me that. Scripture has told me that. And again, at the end when it says, deliver us from evil. Ephesians 6.12 says, y'all, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You think your struggle is just with your husband? There's a bigger struggle going on behind the scenes. And the enemy wants your marriage to fail. The enemy wants you to fail. He wants your kids to fail. The struggle that we experience is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the spiritual realms. You and I need the Lord. We need Him. Not just to get to heaven, but we need Him every single day. We need Him in order to withstand temptation. We need Him in order to endure this hard season. We need Him in order to take the risk He's placed in front of us. We need Him in order to experience joy like we've not known before. We need Him in order to experience the deep intimacy our soul was created for. We need the Lord. And the thing is, we got Him. We got Him. He doesn't have favorites. There's not one of us in this room that will say, well, yes, yeah, she's got him, but that's not for me. It's for you. It's for you. The question is not is that if that's true. The question is, do you believe it? Do I believe it? If you say yes, you come into his presence and say, God, I shake like a leaf. I'm so messed up. I've got so many things going on in my life. But I, with the faith of a little bitty tiny mustard seed, I'm going to come into your presence and wait for you. And I'm going to allow you to teach me what it means to fall in love with you and to learn to walk with you. He is worth every bit of it. He's worth it all. He's worth 
it all. I can't convince you of that. It has to happen in your own time with him. But I'm telling you, we will all discover it if we will bank on him. Let me pray for us. Lord, you are worth it. You are worth it, Lord. You are worth it. You have never left me. You've never forsaken me. Lord, there are so many trials that these sweet women have been through that would probably flatten us if we learned of them. And Lord, even in trials that we look back on and we wonder, where were you? You were there. And those things that we worry about that wake us up at night, those future things that we wonder, what if, Lord, you're already there. So why would we even go there in our minds? Let us live today, Lord. Teach us what it means, Lord, to walk humbly with you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be so close that it'd be palpable. We are the apple of your eye. I pray that we would see our reflection in you. In Jesus' name, amen.